Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. I have a great deal of affection for the uh, state and the people of Alaska. We have a number of stations carrying West Coast Live up there in the uh, far north. And it's a pleasure to have some Alaskans here visiting us in San Francisco. And they're performing a show of Alaskan Native American tales here at the Cowell Theater. Will you please welcome members of the group Na Kahidi here to West Coast Live. What is the, uh, what is the actual translation of Na Kahidi? Uh, Na Kahidi means uh, a house of all nations. And the nations that are performing, you are Paul Jackson, born in Tlingit, uh, and we have other nations from Alaska who are in this group. And there are uh, 30 of you traveling together, 20? No, there are only six performers, and I'm Yupik Eskimo, and my Yupik Eskimo names are Nukhagaluk and Amithlamaganan, and my English name is Valerie Davidson, and I'm from Bethel, but my family's from a village called Gwigiluk, it's on the coast, no one here has probably ever heard of it. It's very small, and it means a village with no river, despite the fact that it's located on a big ocean. So you, whoever named the village knew that the ocean wasn't a river? Yes, yeah. but um, for Yupik people, the river is a very significant thing. So it's more significant that there's no river than it is significant that it's on the ocean. Sorry, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're actually on both. We have a couple of big rivers that run here through the bay. What is the, uh, uh, which coast do you say that you're on, your village? The Guigiluk Coast. <laughs> All right, well, where in Alaska is that? It's uh, southwest of Fairbanks. It's um, located near Bethel. It's um, right at the okay. mouth of the Kuskokum River. Guigiluk is when you're, if you're ever in Bethel, any of you folks, just head down river, and when you get to the ocean, hang right, and you'll come to us. And how far right do you go? Oh, about, um, let's see, depending on what kind of boat you have, maybe from Bethel, about five hours. And uh, Paul, you uh, also were raised in Yakutat, which is uh, further north than Juneau. Uh, yes, I, that's where I grew up, and that's where my, uh, my mother comes from there, and my grandmother and my grandmother before her, and all my grandmothers come from the Alsac River. So therefore, even though I'm born in Juneau, I come from the Alsac River. But I spent the first years of my life in Yakutat, and I spent very good time there. I learned to live in the woods. What, uh, when you say you learned to live in the woods, what were your living conditions? Uh, I always thought the living conditions at that time were much better than I have right now uh, because of the, uh, the fresh air that we had, you know, and uh, there was unlimited source of uh, food, uh, fresh fruit that wasn't uh, preserved or any way, you know, so it was fresh. We were quite excited to see food here from the farmer's market, which farmers bring into the city here uh, that we don't actually gather. Uh, what was your favorite food at this time of year in Alaska that you were able to get fresh just right there off the ground? Uh, this time of the year, there wasn't too much uh, fresh things to get besides uh, meat. Uh, all the uh, fresh fruit that was gathered is gathered in the summertime. 
And those are the berries. Yes. Would, yeah. you, would you ever meet grizzlies while out gathering berries? Yeah, there's, uh, they, they like berries just like we do, you know, and, uh, and they usually go to the same patches that we go to. And one of the things that we learn is that we have to, we have to talk to them. Uh, we don't call them bears, we call them people with long ears is the way that we address them. And my father, coming from the bear clan, I addressed him as my father's people. And uh, therefore, I talked to them in that manner, that I addressed them as my father's people. And would they speak back in any way or respond? <clears throat> Not well, I've never really listened. I don't think they understand the language. I think it's the feelings that you're projecting is what they understand. If you're there to, to uh, do harm to them and they'll they'll understand that, you know, and of course they will respond back. It's uh, much like a dog, if you let a dog start barking at you and you start to walk away and you start to show fear, that dog will not leave you alone. But if you stand there and you look him in the eyeballs and he'll turn around and walk away. And that's worked for you with grizzlies? Well, not so much staring him in the eyeballs, you know, we try, <laughs> we try not to do that. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it becomes a health hazard after a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you, sir, are? My name is Gene Tagaban. And you're from what part of Alaska? Juneau, southeast. Also, and you are wearing today uh, clothing of which, of which uh, tribe? Uh, the Klingit people. The Klingit people, of course, have also been in the news recently for uh, two young men who were being punished, being sent to islands. Uh, in, a, in a tribal punishment to go off. And have they been sent off to the islands already to forage for themselves for a year? Mm -hmm. They're already out there, and um, I hear they're doing quite well, starting to really see things in a different way, different perspective than uh, they have been. What is the significance of being in this, this group, Nakahiti, traveling around, performing music of your, of your peoples? Uh, well, for me personally, it's, um, it's a great honor to be here to perform and to teach, to teach people so that they can see a new perspective, another way of life, another culture, some other people. Plus, it's a great learning opportunity for me. I get to travel with Paul and the other company members and, um, and learn from them as well. I get to meet people also and try new things. There are some, some tribes that will not perform some of their material because it's religious and they don't want the sounds uh, to escape, but do you have any sort of similar restrictions on the material that you, you present? Um, well, these stories here we've gotten, we've gotten permission from the elders, and uh, we've gotten permission from the clans who the stories belong to. And um, unless, if, if we did not have that, we would not be doing these stories. So that's, it's a very important part to have the permission of the whole community to present these, to take them outside or at least the family and the clan members from um, whichever house where the stories come from. We're going to hear a story that would be told under what circumstances ordinarily? Um, this story, Jagayak, would be told mostly as a lesson, um, but it would also be told during celebrations. And I think here um, parents sometimes will tell kids, if well, you're not supposed to do this or you need to do this, but where we come from, rather than saying do this or don't do that, we sit the 
the young person down and we'll tell them a story and we don't tell them what that story means. It's, a, it's their responsibility to listen very carefully and to extract meaning from that story for themselves. And the more often you hear the story and at different stages of your life, that affects the kinds of meanings that you'll be able to extract from the story. And the story is called? Jagayak, and it means bear. called and his beautiful wife, one I will not name, who are the only survivors of a village where disease has stolen the lives of all the people. But this man and woman try to start again. They have two small children. She raises them. He goes out hunting every day out in his kayak. One day, he does not return. Days go by. Weeks. Months. She is nearly out of food, she and those two small children. This woman listens. She listens so well, she comes to understand the language of the birds. One day in the springtime, she hears a voice calling her name, the one I will not say. She goes outside and she sees a little bird speaking to her. Pitichjogli has married a woman on the other side of that mountain. My husband, Pitichjogli? Yes, the one that was your husband. And then that bird flies away. She goes back inside and she gives those two children the last of the food, all except one piece of fish. And she is hurting at first. She is hurting. But then she just gets angry. She thinks of how she has always tried to be a good wife and an honest woman and how she thought those two children were the most important things in that dead and dying world. And she thinks about how all her life she respected the spirits of the animals, cared for them properly, and showed them the way back to life. And she is thinking about how now maybe they could do something for her. She puts her children to bed, covers them, sings them to sleep. Then she goes outside to her lagayak, her cache, and she takes out some animal skins and she looks at them. Squirrel, caribou, fox, muskox, the rest. And she tries to find the one that will help her do the thing she has decided to do. She finds it. It is Jagayak, a lie, it is the bear. She takes that bear skin and she puts it on, and now she is Jagayak. She is the most powerful creature on land. She can eat meat or berries or other things that even human beings cannot eat. She is fast, she is strong, she is powerful, she is big, she is dangerous. She runs over that mountain, gets all the way to the other side by morning, 
comes to a house, watches, hidden, as a woman comes outside. It is the other woman. She knows it. I can't say how. She just knows it. She takes off that bearskin and she hides it carefully in the willows. And she goes to the other woman as a woman herself. And they smile. And they are polite. And the other woman admires the beauty of this one, for she is very beautiful. Says how she herself would like to be as beautiful. It would please her husband to have such a beautiful wife, she says. That nameless one takes out that piece of fish, her last food, the one she had not given to her children because she had taken a long, sharp stick and coiled it into a circle and put that in the fish and had frozen it, the stick hidden inside, frozen. She gives that piece of frozen fish to the other woman and she smiles. Eat this fish, she says. Swallow it without chewing. Then you will be beautiful like me, and your husband will love you better. And the other woman thanks her, and she takes the fish, and she swallows it. And they smile, and they are polite. But then the fish melts, and the stick thaws, and springs, and pierces. And now she is bleeding to death inside. And the one I will only call bear woman crouches beside her. And they look at each other. And they don't speak. But they both know everything. And they aren't smiling anymore. Either one. And bear woman watches her as she dies. Bittichjogli comes home to that other home with fresh caribou, and this is what he finds. You have killed my wife, he says, to that other one, the one that was his wife, and now I will kill you. And he runs out of that house, back to his kayak to get his harpoon. But she is off and running, and she gets down in the willows where he can't see her. But he has seen her run off into the willows, and he starts after her. But what comes out of the willows? is not what he expects to see. And she tries to talk to him, to tell him how she's been feeling and how those children looked when she told them there was no more food and their father wasn't coming home after all. She tries to tell him, to talk to him, but she is a bear now and all she can do is tear him to pieces. Maybe there's nothing to explain, anyway. So she thinks of those children again, and she takes the caribou in her teeth, and she runs home over that mountain, and she gets to her house. And in her pain, and in her haste, and in her eagerness, she forgets to take off her bearskin, and she goes in, and her children see her like that, a bear. And she wants to feed them, and hold them, and sing to them, and take comfort from them. But they are afraid. They are afraid. They are afraid, and they turn into little birds, and they fly away out through the smoke hole like smoke. They are gone.
and she is alone. There are no more human beings in that dead village anymore, and so she remains a bear. And perhaps by now, she has forgotten what it was she wanted to say to them anyway, any of them. Thank you for the story. And when did each one of you hear that for the first time in your lives? When did we first hear that? Yeah. And how many other times did you then absorb the lesson of it? Actually, I've heard, I first heard it like um, probably about a year ago. I've, I've heard that story um, told. It's usually told by women, interestingly enough. And, uh, <laughs> The men are usually pretty quiet when they hear that story, so uh, it's sort of a, one of those stories you hear as a little girl and you kind of remember for the rest of your life. So. Well, you, you clearly it made an impression on you. And uh, I wanted, could I hear those bird sounds again? Those are so lovely that you made with that small instrument of carved wood. What are the instruments made of? This one's very small, about the size of a large yellow tomato. Large yellow tomato. It's made of a large yellow tomato. There we are. This is, this is made out of uh, wood. Wood. Cedar. Did you make these instruments yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can we do a little commercial here? Oh, well, I'll tell them. I'll tell everyone that you're here in San Francisco for tonight and tomorrow evening here at the Cowell Theater presenting an entire evening of Alaskan Native story stories and uh, songs. And Valerie? Uh, yes, uh, we have a show this afternoon at 2. And oh, at, oh, 2, just uh, a couple hours after we conclude here. Another one at 8 and another one at 2 tomorrow. And uh, this is, uh, the full company will be here, and there's more of us. And we'd like to thank City Celebration for allowing us to come here. And thank you to everybody who's help, helped us to feel very welcome. It's, we are having the time of our lives here. So anytime you want us to come back, just let us know. <laughs> And if we, uh, if we find your village, it's to Bethel. Go to the end of the river, turn right, and we find you there. All right. Thank you very much. Na Kahidi. Four performances this weekend. One at uh, 2 o'clock, uh, another at 8, and at 2 and 8 tomorrow. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.